And he prays, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how both to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, and let the church say amen. We come here as Paul is, we have been preaching through chapter number four of the last three Wednesday nights that I've been in the pulpit. We've been entitled, we've entitled this chapter, The Heart of a Shepherd. We saw how Paul uh, uses those terms of endearment, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for, my joy, my crown. He is expressing his love and his appreciation for the church here at Philippi. I'll run through briefly what we've already dealt with and, get, and then get in the text tonight and get out of the way. We've looked in verse number 1 through 5 at a contextual plea. That word, therefore, connects us back to Philippians 3, talking about in light of the apostates, in light of the coming of the Lord, he wanted them to have an unwavering stand in verse 1, a united spirit in verse 2, unrestricted support in verse 3, an unashamed shout in verse 4, an unselfish submission in verse 5, an understanding of the season in verse 5. And then last week we talked about not only the contextual plea, but the comfort in prayer in verse 6 and 7. We talked about the reality we face. Be careful for nothing. That's worry. We talked about the remedy that we find. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then the result of our faith in verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Tonight we'll pick up in verse number 8, and I would say third of all in this chapter, we find a counsel prescribed. Notice three things about this counsel that Paul's giving. First of all, there is the consideration of our mind in verse number 8. He talks about uh, in verse number 6 that there are some things that we need to rid our minds of, that being worry. But in verse number 8, he talks about some things that our mind needs to rest upon and to replace that worry with. I would remind you that Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, 
so is He. Do you have good thinking tonight? A lot of people have stinking thinking. Amen. And the reason that they live such a horrible life is because their thinking is not right. Now, please do not misunderstand this for the Joel Olstein power of positive thinking. No, this is the power of biblical thinking. And he talks about, one man said, a guarded thought life has to be, uh, has to be accompanied by a guided thought life. In other words, if you want to have a godly thought life, then you've got to think about the right things. He will list some things in verse number 8. He talks about that we ought to think about things that are honest. Watch what he said. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. We are to give thought to those things that are honorable and that claim respect. Hey, I'm telling you, that's why you need to be careful what you listen to. The lies and the deceit of this world. When you listen to that deception, when you listen to those lies, I'm going to tell you what that does. That gets in your mind and it will mess with you after a while. You've got to guard your mind. The Bible talks about where the cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing in the cast Activity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Are you thinking about honest things tonight? Then he talks about thinking about holy things. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. I'm going to tell you tonight, you find somebody uh, that has impure language and, and filthy language and slang language, I'm going to tell you, that's what's in their heart. The Bible said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever is on the inside is eventually going to come out on uh, the outside. And I'm telling you, I was me and Brother Mike Austin, he rode with me uh, to the meeting this week, and we were talking about uh, a different, we were doing what preachers do best. We were talking about other preachers, amen. And we were talking about men who are out of the ministry now. We were not rejoicing in that. Uh, but we were talking about men who are out of the ministry and how one of the first thing we noticed is the filthiness of their language. And I said, brother, what it was doing, it was, we didn't catch it at the time, but it was revealing how what they were involved in. It was on the inside. One man said, you'll never commit a sin with your hands that you don't first commit with your heart. you got to keep your thought right. Hey, and I know all of us, all of us has had thoughts that's come into our mind. We're like, where in the world did that come from? I mean, you wouldn't, and all of a sudden, there's that thought. And I'll tell you what we have to do. We have to immediately confess that and say, Lord, I don't want to have these thoughts. I don't want to think about it. Did you hear what I said? Immediately confess it. Lord, I don't want to have these thoughts in my mind. He talks about thinking about things that are honest. Thinking about things that are holy. He talks about things that are helpful. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Thinking about pure things, good things. Preacher, what are you talking about? You know, the Word of God fits in all those categories. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is honest. The Word of God is just. The Word of God is pure. The Word of God is lovely. The Word of God is a good report. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. Help me, church, that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall young men cleanse this way by taking heed to thy Word. You want to help your thinking? That's why it's important to memorize Scripture. Put it in your heart. Hey, I'll tell you, put it, if you have to, take a sticky note, write a Bible verse on it, and stick it on your odometer. You ain't paying attention how far, you, how fast you're going anyway. Just stick it there, and when you're riding through traffic and somebody cuts you off, uh, just read that verse of Scripture, amen? Uh, when you're tempted to turn on the radio and listen to ungodly music, look at that verse of Scripture, amen? I'm telling you, put the Word of God in your life. He talks about the consideration of the mind. Then he says, he says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. But not only the consideration of the mind, but the conduct of our ministry. Look at verse 9. 
those things which ye have both... Watch, the, watch these words now. Look at your Bible. Those things which ye have both learned and received and, 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 and heard and seen in me. So there is learning, there is reception, there is hearing, and there is seeing. He said, you've seen all these things. Now do it. A lot of people, a lot of people learn. A lot of people receive. A lot of people hear. And a lot of people see. But not many people do. He talks about if you're going to have the right kind of thinking, he's giving us some good godly counsel. He's giving us some pastoral counsel. He's saying, I'll tell you what you do. Uh, just don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. You know, there are people tonight that knows more Bible than I do, but they're not living it. It's possible to have knowledge, but knowledge is not enough. You've got to put it into practice. I have the knowledge how to drive a car, contrary to people that ride with me. I have that knowledge. But if I don't go get in that pickup truck, it ain't going to happen. A lot of people have the knowledge. They know what to do, but they're not doing it. Paul said, if you've, you've learned it, you've received it, you've heard it, you've seen it, do it. The conduct of ministry. He not only wanted them to think on these things, he wanted them to do these things. Then he talks about, he talks about the companionship of our master. Watch the promise in this. And the, if you'll do these things, the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, he said, you'll enjoy fellowship. Now I understand when you got, when you and I got saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit of God moved in and took up residence on the inside of us. We don't need a baptism of the Holy Ghost. You got that when you got born again. Somebody say amen. You ain't got to pray and get the second blessing. No. When you got saved, you didn't get the Lord Jesus Christ in installment plans. Now come back in 30 days and we'll give you the rest. Yeah, you didn't get a, I think I said this, you didn't get his hand, you didn't get his foot, he ain't doing the hokey pokey here. You got him all! Alright? But let's just all agree, sometimes our fellowship with him ain't as good as at other times. And it's never the Lord's fault when my fellowship's not right with him. It's always my fault. Amen. I've told it a hundred times. But that old man, an old woman riding the front seat of that bench pickup truck, She's sitting over on her side. He's sitting there in the driver's seat. And she said, Honey, do you remember when we used to sit a whole lot closer together? That old fella said, I ain't moved. I'm telling you, he's not moved tonight. The first problem with our fellowship is always on us. Not only does he talk about the counsel prescribed, but then he's going to talk about the contentment that he practices. Verses 10 through 13. Notice the sincere desire in verse 10. We're just, we're just walking through the text. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care may have flourished again, wherein you are also careful but lacked opportunity. Some 10 to 12 years before this text, the Philippian church had provided financial support to Paul in the gospel ministry. But for some unknown reason, they had lacked another opportunity uh, to give to Paul's ministry. They did not have the United States Postal Service at that time. Wasn't they blessed? The check's in the mail. Somebody help me, all right? Uh, and, and they did not have that. And so they lacked an opportunity. He said, but I know you wanted to help me. You just didn't have an opportunity to. 
Hey, I want to say thank God for the faithful givers in this local church. Over and over and over again, I have seen God's people uh, hear about a need and rise to the occasion, rise to meet the need of a missionary, uh, of, a, of a preacher, uh, of somebody uh, that, that... And by the way, God did not call the church to keep up the community. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's, I don't understand why the drunks want to drink up their beer and then they want to call us, uh, to, to try to cover their, uh, living expenses. Amen. I'll tell you what Oliver B. Green said, when a drunk dies, uh, they ought to, they ought to take him down there and allow that worldly crowd to take care of them. Well, that ain't. They didn't like Oliver B. Green when he said it either, amen. But I'm just telling you tonight, uh, God blesses. We're going to get into more of this in the text. But he said, I appreciate the fact that you wanted to, even though you didn't have an opportunity, your heart was in the right place. Then notice the stated disposition, verse 11 and 12. The sincere desire, but the stated disposition. Watch what Paul says. Not that I speak of respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now watch what Paul has learned. Boy, this is hard right here. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Paul's not complaining in this text. He ain't complaining about his financial needs. He's not complaining about, he said, you know what? I have just learned to live with what God gives me. I'm telling you tonight, folks, you ought to work hard. Amen. There's nothing wrong with working and having a living. I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, you're only going to live on what God gives you. And you're only going to have what God gives you. And that's where we got to be content. You know those people that's got millions and millions and millions of dollars a night, they're still not happy. They still don't have peace. They still don't have contentment. And I tell you, you know, Jesus said, give us, we we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I said over and over again, if the Lord gave us our bread a year in advance, we wouldn't have to talk to Him every day. We'd just say, give us our yearly bread. But the Lord said, we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Watch his spiritual dependence. Now this verse right here is one of the two verses in this chapter that gets taken out of context about every 30 seconds. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm sorry, Tim Tebow, that has nothing to do with throwing a football. That has nothing to do with lifting weights. That has nothing to do with anything that the world says it does or the average preacher does. What is the context? Oh, context. I can preach around the mouth and say, don't be bringing the Bible into this. What is the context? He said, uh, I've learned to live with what God gives me. And you know what? Well, whatever God's given me, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You may have a lot. You may have a little. But Paul said, I've just learned to live with what God gives me. I'm not preaching against uh, planning for the future, retirement and all that. I'm, I, I, I would like to have a retirement one day, and that's not, a, that's not a, a request. It's just who don't want to have retirement. I can't preach forever. And I'm not against planning on the, for, against the future. I'm not against none of that. But I tell you, at the end of the day, you're going to have to live from God's hand to your mouth. Have to learn to live by faith. And that's not speaking against planning. I believe you ought to plan. I believe you ought to be wise. The Word of God speaks of that. But Paul said, I'm going to tell you right now, I can do all the things that God has called me to do through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notice, notice the church's participation, verses 14 through 19. He says, um, 
Notice they had the perception of the burden, notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I depart from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. You know what this church knew? When Paul left, they said, Paul's going to need some financial help if he's going to go preach these churches and start these churches. But you know why? You know why they gave? You know why we ought to give tonight? They remembered their conversion. Somebody told them. Somebody told them about the Lord. You know, somebody told you. You know, somebody gave you the gospel. It may not have been a missionary, but it was a missionary. Because a missionary is just somebody who's given the gospel. It may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a mom. It may have been a dad. It may have been a preacher preaching the Word of God. But somebody told you. They remembered that Paul got to them. Somebody supported Paul to get him to Philippi. They remembered the commission. Go all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. So you know what they done? They took up a collection. Amen. And I don't have to preach on giving to this church. But it is in my text. If you're not tithing, you're not right with God. If you're not giving the Lord at least 10% of your income, by the way, that's not the ceiling, that's the basement. If you're not giving the Lord at least 10% of your income, you're not right with the Lord. Amen. And you're to tithe, and then I believe after you tithe, you ought to give to missions. And you do that. I I know I'm preaching to people that know that, but I want to encourage you uh, to keep doing that because there's a promise coming in this chapter. Those people watch not only the perception of the burden, but their partnership with the brother. Verse 15, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. They partnered with him financially in verse 15. They partnered with him uh, prayerfully, and they partnered with him consistently. He said, You sent once and again to my necessity. Boy, how would you like to have the Apostle Paul on your missionary list? Can you imagine the fruit? On your account at the judgment seat, you realize if you got born again tonight, if you've grown spiritually, you are a product of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You ever got any help out of the book of Romans? Ever got any help out of the book of uh, book of First Corinthians or Second Corinthians? And God's touched your heart. That's Paul's ministry. And Philippi is clipping coupons. Philippi has rewards because why? They help Brother Paul. And we are we have rewards in heaven because we've helped. The Stolfus family. We've helped the Smith family in Brazil. The Smith family in England. We've helped, we've helped, uh, brother, uh, let's see, I'm brother Josh Hill in Guatemala, brother Ronnie McKinney with the Rock of Ages. And on and on we could go. 56, 57, some missionaries. Oh, that one day, because of your sacrifice and your giving, you'll have. Paul said, not that I desire a gift. What's the purpose benefit in verse 17? Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul said, I ain't trying to get fruit on my account. He said, this is fruit on your account. The provided blessings, verse 18. Listen to Paul, but I have all in all. I have all and I abound. I am full. When's the last time you heard a preacher say that? I don't need no more money. Said no preacher since Paul. (laughs) Having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an over-sweet smell and sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He said, church, that offering y'all sent me by Brother Paproditus, it met every need I had. And I don't want for a thing in this world. Paul's in prison! He said, but boy, God's been so... Paul's sitting in prison and said, boy, God's been so good to me. I am so... Paul said, I'm so full. I am so blessed. Boy, it makes you feel better about our problems, don't it? Watch, they had a promise from the Bible. Look at verse 19. Oh, second verse in this chapter that gets taken out of context. 
But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This promise is not to somebody who who went and bought a bunch of lottery tickets, bought liquor, bought cigarettes, direct TV, all that kind of stuff, don't have the money to pay their bills, and then they can claim this verse. That ain't who that's talking about. Paul said, I want to give you a little hope. He said, you've, you've, you've invested in the gospel ministry. You've given. And I want you to know, God is not a debtor to any man. Oh, don't, get, don't miss that. God does not owe any man anything. God pays his debts. He said, my God shall supply. There is, there is in this text, the Almighty, but my God. There is the assurance shall supply all your need. And there is the accordance according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Where God guides, He will provide. i got nine minutes left and one point in four verses. Brother Terry Ellis preached yesterday. Brother Terry Ellis is the president of Rock of Ages Ministries. He preached here uh, back in 2020 on a Sunday night, uh, kicking off our meeting with Brother Davey in 2020. And uh, Brother Ellis said when he first went with Rock of Ages, he had $125 a month support. And he had $350 worth of bills, and the Lord told him to step out by faith. He said, now, I don't recommend everybody do that, but that's what the Lord told us to do. And he said, I found this Winnebago. That's what y'all need to buy, a Winnebago. And uh, he said, I found this Winnebago. It was 19 foot uh, from the front bumper to the back bumper. And he said, you know, that was going to let me go to my, my deputation and, and all that. And he said, the only problem is, he said, I, I went to the bank to get a loan. I prayed about it. He said, I went there to get a loan. And he said, I wrote to that, that loan officer said, well, how can I help you? He said, I want a loan. And he, he said, so let me get this straight. You have $350 a month going out. And only $125 a month coming in? He said, yes, sir. He said, I can't present this to the financial board. They'll laugh me to shame. He said, well, sir. He said, the Holy Ghost told me that I needed to buy that Winnebago. And he was going to provide. And, and I need a loan. And God might as well just use this bank to do it as any bank. He said, well, you know, the president of the bank is here today. I'm going to go talk to him about it instead of going to the board. He said he stayed gone and stayed gone and stayed gone. He said, I thought he was just kind of blowing me off and want me to leave. He said, I got to leave. He said, that fellow walked out of that office scratching his head like that. And he said, um, preacher, he said, that president of the bank, I showed him that. And he laughed. And he, he said, I, he said, and he said, now what did you say that guy done? He said, well, he's a preacher and he's going to go into the prisons and preach. He's a missionary. And he said, the guy told, he said, he told the president, he said, that preacher said that God told him that he was going to give him that loan for that Winnebago to buy it and he might as well use this bank to do it that God was going to pay the bill. That bank president said, you know what? I want to see if God will pay the bill. Give him the loan. And God paid the bill. I'm telling you where God guides, he will always provide. Amen. Like Brother Alfred Willis said, that ain't no field kid story. That's the truth. Amen. Here's the last thing. There's the conclusion of Philippians. Verses 20 through 23. We're done. As we come to these four closing verses, it hit me today. These were the final words that Paul gave that the church of Philippi ever heard from Paul. Because he's getting ready to die. What's, what's Paul going to say before he goes to the other side of this church? Well, he's going to exalt the sovereign in verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He started out his ministry glorifying God, and he's in and out his ministry. Because you know what happened at Philippi? At midnight, they sang and gave praises to God. The f- Amen. The first thing Philippi heard from Paul was hallelujah, glory to God. And the last thing Philippi heard from Paul uh, was glory to God forever and ever. And then the expression from the saints, verse 21, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. 
We don't know what brethren this is, but we do know Paul was witnessing the folks. And I wonder if there were some old convicts, some old prisoners in there. Paul's chained to that wall and said, Hey, boys, let me tell you what. One day I was on the Damascus Road. He said he wasn't guilty of any man's blood. He said, The brethren that are with me salute you. In other words, like Andy, on Andy Griffith, Gomer says, Hey, Watch this. There's the extension of salvation. Verse 22. Salute every, uh, All the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. That word household is an interesting word. You look it up. It means, it can mean two things. One, it can mean a servant. A servant that serves in a household. We would think a butler or a maid, something like that. It can mean that. But it also means family. Caesar. Okay? Bad guy. Fix him, chop Paul's head off. But apparently, somehow, some way, I don't know how and we won't know where to get there, but through that dungeon, the gospel made its way through them little caverns, made its way through the darkness, and got in some of the hearts of them Caesar's household. And they got born again. Paul said they're saints. And you know what he's telling this church? It's been worth it. People are getting still getting saved. I feel like I'm stagnant. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. But God's still saving sinners. And then there's the edification from the servant. Verse 23, our last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. In the closing statement, he gives a parting word concerning the ever-present grace of God. I love the fact that the last thing they read from Paul you see a piper died and he's reading the letter. He's getting out of the end. Paul knows he's getting ready to die. And the last words they hear from Paul is about God's grace. If anybody knew about the grace of God, it was Paul. It was Paul. What a great book the book of Philippians is. I think the theme verse could be, you know, people want to talk, we, me and Brother Rich has talked about this. He said the book of Philippians extensively. We've talked about what is the theme. It's a toss-up for me between Philippians 1.6 and Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1, Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And then Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's just call it a tie and say they're both good. That's how Paul lived his life. The Apostle Paul, probably my favorite man to preach on in the Bible, is a picture of a man who gave God everything he had right down to the very end. You see Philippi? They get done reading that letter. They know he's getting ready to go because he said, I have a desire to depart. See that church standing there? Saying, thank God Brother Paul came to town. He got treated bad when he first got here, but thank God Paul didn't quit. They, they beat him. They put him in stocks. But Paul didn't get bitter in that prison. But at midnight, him and Silas just started singing and praising God. Hey, when you get in those places in confinement and darkness in your life, make sure you respond right. Because there might be a Philippian jailer right out the door who will be the first family to get in. I believe that Philippian jailer was still there. I believe Lydia was still there. I believe that woman got that devil cast out of her, still there, serving God. Paul said, it was grace. It's all grace. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, I thank God for His Word, don't you? I'm not a great preacher, but I try to be a Bible preacher.
And I'm glad the Lord let us walk through this book. And I like how we've done it. I know we could have spent seven years in the book of Philippians. And I know some guys that are. Um, but I like how we moved it at a brisk pace. We got a good overview of it. And uh, that we didn't get all the juice out of it, but we got a little juice out of that, didn't we? Bless the Lord. Hey, don't forget the Lord uh, Saturday, the work day, 9.30. Please be in your place. And uh, we'll try to get some cleaning done around here. And uh, then we're looking forward to the Lord's Day on Sunday. And uh, pray that God will give us the message for Sunday morning. And then Brother David will be here on Sunday night. Are we offline?